We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Okay, ready? Think what you know, and it's about a time when you get yourself in a I want to that might be the best question I've ever been asked. You're a phenomenal person. I mean, you legendary. I am a fan of you, my brother. Got a call from my team saying that Donald Glover wanted me in the show. And I was like, oh, shoot, he knows who I am. That's pretty cool. Based off of your performance in Judas and the Black Messiah. Could have been Judas, could have been, you know, Project Power, could have been anything. He didn't tell me what project it was. Okay. Um, and then I was like, oh, that's so cool. They say, yeah, we don't have a script. We don't know what the show is about. But they want you to watch this movie called The Piano Teacher. Okay. And I watched it. And at first, I was like, oh, this is really cool because it's really about the actress's eyes. She's not really saying a lot of words. You just get to see her have opinions about so many things. Um, and I was like, as an actor, you kind of revel to those opportunities to just, like, tell stories with your eyes, at least for me. Um, and so I was like, oh, cool. And then it quickly took a very dark, masochistic kind of turn in that movie. And it really made me question the type of artist and actor that I wanted to be. And if I was brave, because I didn't think I was brave enough to do something like she did in that movie. So then I was like, oh, I don't know, but let me take the meeting and see what they have to say about it. Dominique Fishback is a star. She is the star of the new Donald Glover show on Amazon called Swarm. The show is awesome. The character just pulls you in. Is she evil? Is she traumatized? She's all the things. The show is scary. The show is funny. The show is gripping. I love Swarm. I'm so proud of Dominique. I just wanted to talk to her about acting and get deep into the character that she does on Swarm. So here we go. Spoilers abound, but if you've watched the show, you will appreciate this deep dive into Swarm with Dominique Fishback. Well, first of all, you're a freaking superstar. Thank you. What is going on? <laughs> you were in like one of my favorite movies of two years ago. Uh -huh. Now you're in like the hot, hot show. Thanks. Swarm that everyone's talking about. Yeah. How's that feel? Uh, it feels amazing. It definitely was like... Uh, a lot to shoot. It was hard work. It wasn't easy. So 
to get this response right now, it just feels um, it feels like a celebration. My my birthday's tomorrow. Oh, happy I've been birthday. I, thank you. Now I've been working at this for a really long time, and and uh, being so uh, committed to the craft, and and sometimes you feel overlooked. You know what I mean? Sometimes. You don't like, and, and this is like, wow, like my birthday was yesterday. Happy so birthday. You, you are almost a Pisces. Yes. Yes. I'm an Aries. I'm a fire <laughs> sign. So look, I want to talk about swarm. Yeah. I want to assume if you're listening past this point, you have seen the show. Yes, spoiler alert. We're gonna, right. Right. Well, I want to get into it because I mean, the character is amazing. The Thank stories you. that you're telling is I watched it in a day. Wow. Because I was just like so gripped and I'm like, I have to know like wh- what happens next? What happens yeah. next? So first, just tell us about Dre, mm-hmm. Andrea Green, who you're yes. playing. Like, who is she? Well, I, I, you know, it might be like bias or whatever, but I just describe her as a girl who has a lot of love inside and a lot of grief and didn't have the right channels to understand them. And so, you know, they say it's a thin line between love and hate. And I just feel like with her, she couldn't she couldn't tell the difference. She lost her. She lost the one person that was keeping her grounded. And then after that, it was so traumatic that it broke her. So, yes, it's the loss of her sister, which she could have helped but wasn't able to. Yeah. That's I mean, what she, sets her off on this journey. She thinks she she thinks she could have helped, but I don't know if she could have because. But she feels the guilt. She feels that the guilt. She thinks of course. she could have. She thinks she could have. Yes. Right. So so this is because I was like, has she killed before? Like before this, the period of the show, has she killed before? Or no. no? Uh, to me, I don't think she did. I know she's hurt some people, um, but I don't think she's killed anyone. And I say it's kind of funny. I was learning about repressed memories before I got this show. And uh, so with, with me as an actor, I feel like Dre repressed memories from herself so much that she even repressed them from me. So when people are having these dialogues, did Dre do this? And I'm like, I mean, I don't think she did as much as far as I can tell she didn't. But, you know, who knows? Because there's an interesting <laughs> break from reality. Yeah. We or see like a it, blackout. Or yeah. Like we see it most clearly when she bites Nyjah. Yes. Right. And so the film does not show us that. But then later you tell us this happened. So then I'm wondering, well, are there other places where this happened or other places where she because she's constantly sort of broken from reality. Yeah. I mean, there's like theories going on on Twitter about her do what like if she killed Marissa, if she didn't kill Marissa, like I personally do not think that she killed Marissa. Right. Um, but you know, everybody's speculating and have their theories. It's kinda interesting to, to witness. Well when you see her break from reality, then you're kinda like, Well, yeah, did she kill her sister? And invent yeah. this whole other thing? But you're like, no, no, no. I don't think she did. I mean, I was talking to my friend about it and we were like debating like on the phone. I was on a plane, like we were like debating back and forth. Um, and it was really like, I felt like she, uh, she the reason for her killing is was when people talked bad about Marissa yeah. and Nyjah. Yeah. <laughs> Marissa has never talked bad about Nyjah. Right. And uh, I mean, we don't hear her talk bad about herself. She might feel badly, but, you know, so what would be the reason for Dre to kill Marissa? Well, Marissa is leaving her. This is true. Yeah. And I mean, I thought, oh, she's going to kill the boyfriend yeah. to thus keep Marissa with her. Yeah. But Marissa leaves and then she gets the text messages saying, hey, I need you. I shouldn't have left. Like, uh, so for in, for Dre's world, she got her sister back. Who needs to get mm-hmm. hurt? Mm-hmm. She realized that he wasn't the right move and he she's coming back to Dre. Are you 
making a comment on celebrity worship in all this? You know, I don't I don't really think so. I feel more of like we have all these brilliant films from like the 70s and 80s, these psychological thrillers, and we don't see black and brown people take up space like that. And so in order to have a psychological thriller of this time, we use something that we kind of know. Okay. You know, and 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 then like they heightened it to make it like sure. a comedy horror and just like play on what we see in society, but not because we feel like fandom is this. Not at least not me. I don't I mean the Nigel thing is part of what's driving her to kill, but, like, it could be anything. Yeah, exactly. It could be you don't like my political choice. You don't like my hometown. Yes. Like, right? Yes. It's not specifically, like, the Bayhive is crazy. No. Like, that's not what we're no, saying. No, no, it's, it's not what we're saying at all. And I, I think, like, if for me as an actor, I stud- like I didn't study any form of fandom. I didn't go down. People ask me, oh, did you go down a rabbit hole? Like trying to find which sta- which fandom was the heart. I was like, actually, no, because really what's what's going to relate to people, what's universal is love. And Dre stems from love. She loves Marissa and she loves Nyjah. And we all know what it means to love somebody. And when I think about acting, I think about different books that I read and, you know, the given circumstances. The given circumstances is that she is a serial killer. But I don't have to, as an actor, I don't have to play her like a serial killer, quote unquote, because she is that regardless. So, yeah. So if you didn't study deeply serial killers or you say you didn't really the, the the Bay High of the family, what did you dive into as far yeah. as studying? To be honest, I dived into my into myself in that I was I had been learning. I feel like all of the projects that I do, that it's a specific time in my life where it comes. And this one, right before this, I was learning about masculine and feminine energies, wounded okay. masculine energy, wounded feminine energy, uh, divine masculine, divine feminine, how the masculine energy is the container and the feminine energy is the flow. And so Dre, along the course of the whole series, she goes through all those forms. She goes from feminine to masculine. Yeah. She 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 go in in each character. You find something different about masculine and feminine energy. Obviously, it's the wounded and the dark energy that she's navigating through most of the show. Uh, but so for me, it was kind of like, oh, how can I use that? I had to journal. Usually, I journal as my characters, but this time I journaled for myself when I when I first officially got it and had to identify anything that made me afraid or gave me pause, and then. If it was a real feeling in me, then I had to address it. But if it was because of society or what people are going to think the show is about before they even see it, then I would essentially be selling myself short and the opportunity has been presented. Why not? Journaling is a big part of your preparation for life as yeah. well as for career. So why journal as you for this rather than as Dre? Because with Dre on a paper, she's very frustrating because psychologically there's no through line. She says random things. And if I tried to to try to connect them, I think I would have been a little bit more like robotic or meticulous or like mapped out. And she's not she's impulsive. She's not a mapped out character. So in order to like honor her, I have to remove myself and remove any fear of how I'm going to look, what I like, how I'm going to sound, what weird shit's going to come out. You know what I mean? Like, so I had to say, okay. And I thought about Taraji P. Hansen talking about how Cookie scared her in Empire. When actors do roles that scare them, it oftentimes bring them the like the most freedom. And I've been looking for freedom in my life, and uh, how you would you how you show up in life is how you show up to anything. And so once I started realizing I wanted freedom in my life, I started realizing I wanted freedom in my art as well. 
And Dre would give me that. So I know that you you get the script and then you figure out beyond what's on the script who she is. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me some of the things about the character that you added that aren't in the script? Yes. Um, well, initially I didn't. Initially they wanted me to play Marissa. Right. Um, and I read the script and I, well, before they even let me read the script, they told me about the whole series and I was like, I want to play Dre. Like in my mind, but I said, let me read the script and see what they were seeing. Read the script and I was like, yeah, yeah I just, I want to play Dre. Um, and so once Donald was like, well, if that's the role you want, that's the role you get. I'm like, okay, cool. Then I'm nervous. Like, oh, well, well can I do this? Because I find that the hardest things is like, oh, she laughs. It's not really like the deep part. It's like, oh, you know, she laughs or you walk or like something that's really small. You do all of this like emotional acrobatics for everything else. And then it says she laughs. And you're like, do I know how to laugh? Like, you know, but uh, so what? Okay, let me, I'm just trying to think her walk. Her walk was, there was nothing that said, oh, she walks like this. There's nothing that says she looks around or she moves her head in certain ways. All of that was was stemmed from the fact that what they told me was she was emotionally stunted. That was all they really gave me. And, and so you had to figure out how do I. Yeah. So what I went to was, OK, um, she's going to have to compute. She doesn't uh, respond quickly. She has to compute what somebody's saying to find the right response. And she's probably searching her memory bank for a response that Marissa gave that was normal, right? So, like, if somebody says, oh, Marissa, how you doing? Marissa's like, girl, I'm fine. So now, Dre, how you doing? Girl, I'm fine. She's like a mocking, like, she she looks in her mind, so she's like, that's why she's moving around, because she's like, was that the right one? Are there historical events that you created in her life that help feed into the character? Uh, You know, I normally do that stuff, but I really didn't. I felt that she only, I only had access to what she wanted me to have access to and ultimately what the audience has access to. You know, we don't have access to much about her. Most of the killings are very physical. Right? Uh-huh. I think only once you shoot somebody, right? Yeah. But you're stabbing, uh-huh. you're bludgeoning, uh-huh. right? You're climbing on top of men. And so <laughs> it, it's very physical. Uh-huh. Talk to me about preparing for these scenes yeah. where you're doing all this physical stuff. Well, um, more than physical, it was only just emotional for me. And so I made sure that my friend Monique Coleman, who I've known for 12 years, she's an actress as well, High School Musical. And um, uh, she came to set on the day that I had to do the Khalid scene, the first episode, um, just because I wanted somebody who knew me to like just be present with me, that's going to go in the trailer with me, that's going to ride home with me, who can look at me and say, oh, no, she's good. And I'm good because as actors, uh, I, I, most as, as people, our strongest tool is our mind and the ability to imagine and, and manifest, which is how I got here as an actor. Is I saw something in my mind, said, so I could do that. I want to do that. And you're not, you don't always know the steps to do that. But when you see that it's possible, you go towards that thing. And so in the same way that anything could be used for good or, or quote unquote bad, there, you know, as an actor, you really can give yourself over to something. And so I just wanted to make sure that I had grounding points, prayed before it, uh, didn't uh, didn't really want didn't want to be in the room with Damson that day. Right. You know, like but it was kind of interesting because he didn't come into the same room. We had separate rooms. I think we both respected and understood each other's artists like because we always we're always joking and laughing with each other. 
Yeah, and we and can't today, have... Today wasn't a joke and laughing experience. Can't have that <laughs> right before I'm about to kill your character. It can't be all... Yeah, you know, chummy chummy. <laughs> you're, it, it doesn't sound like you're method, but you're no. deep in it yeah. anyway. I'm not method. I, like, it's so funny because people will be like, oh, you know... We'll be doing the scene, and then it's like, cut. And I'm like, what does it say? What did we say we're eating? What did, like, you know, it's like I'm completely out of it once we say cut. Or even right before. I remember uh, doing Project Power with Jamie Foxx and how he it was like an emotional scene that we had to do together in the truck. And he just said he remembered being like, this girl laughing and talking right before action. She needed to get into character. And it was like action. He said the tear dropped. And he was like, oh, let me get my together. Right? Like, so he, he made contact. So I really do just uh, I, I hop in and out. And, but I make sure because I have a tendency to hop in and out that like I go home and I take baths and I video journal and I try to make make sure that I have a process because I know I could overlook a process because I get out of it. So you quickly. video journal. Mm-hmm. What is that? Uh, I started video journaling in 2020. Uh, where is that? Because my mind was going faster than my hand could go. And so I wanted to video journal. And so I have hours and hours. Maybe one day it'll be a documentary from Ever That Brave. <laughs> but uh, like re- just learning my, my, like, my own experiences, just realizing how to come into self-love. And like, you know, when I'm looking at a, a video journal from two years ago and I'm crying profusely about something and then I think about it now, I say, oh, Dom, you were just on the precipice of something. You were right there. Like, it's okay. You were right there. So to be able to look back now, when I get emotional about something, I could remember that in that journal before I thought it was, I don't know, that was the worst thing that could have happened and I'm here. So, so you come to set, you got to get ready for a regular day. How do you get re- into the character? Mm-hmm. I, I also wish I had a really interesting <laughs> answer for that. Um, it just depends on what it is. I definitely, well, I've learned what I need on set, for example, is Whatever call time they give me, please give me 20 minutes before that. Because <laughs> like, you're late? No, no, I'm never late. I'm very <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Was I here early or was yes, I here? You, yes, you were I was here, here early. Before, you know? Yes, you were. Yes, you were. <laughs> um, no, I'm never late because I come from theater. And so they say if you're on time, you're late. 20 minutes early, plan to stay 20 minutes late. So I'm not, I'm never really, am I ever late? It's more so because I want to make sure that I get to eat. I have to make sure I feed myself. So before they come in and say, oh, Dom, can we try this piece of clothing on? We didn't get to try this. Or can we tweak something? Or can we, all right, I'm going to get to set. Sometimes the call times are really early. It could be 5 a.m. So if I have to get picked up at 5 a.m., pick me up at 4.40 so that I can get to set and have 20 minutes the food is ready so I can eat and meditate and then then I'm ready for everybody. But if it comes but a lot of times you'll get a call time and the call time will be the same time that you'll land on set. So you don't even get a time to like just Jump into work. Yeah. So then you're everybody's asking you for things and it could be overwhelming. So how do I protect myself and also protect everybody else? Because I want people to have a great experience. We all come here to do uh work that we love. Uh, you meditate every day? Uh, I tried to. In 2020, I was going hard. I was doing it multiple times a day. Then I kind of kind of fell off of it. Right now, I'm kind of doing this thing where I have like a life coach, and she talks about like a two, like a, it's five, 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 but I've been doing two, 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 where you meditate for two minutes, you journal for two minutes, and you like, you move your hips in like circular motions for two minutes. Why that? Uh, because it, you, you store a lot of energy. And in your womb area, your sacred chakra. And uh, so to move it around releases energy. So it's been kind of doing that uh, every morning. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick... 
Let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. So talk a little bit about um, working with Donald Glover, mm. who's one of the great creators yeah. of everything to, of the of today. But like he's directing you in the first episode. Mm-hmm. What What is it like? What's his directing yeah. style like? Uh, it's so interesting because the show is so specific. It has such a unique tone that mm-hmm. I really thought it was going to be a little bit more meticulous. I thought it was going to be like, okay, so you do this, you do that. But really, I would be like, so is she this? I was trying to find labels for her. And they were like, no, she's not, she's not any of those things. And so it really was letting me find out who she is in my own body and then being like, all right, in my mind, I'm like, all right, I'm going to come to set with this. Hopefully they like it because they didn't really tell me much beforehand. Um, and so then I get to set and uh, he's like, all right. And he's kind of like, I just want to give us the opportunity to try something new. And if it fails, it fails. But like, let's just try. Let's try to make original art. And so what ended up being a thing was I would do strange things you know, like physically strange or whatever, and I would look and see if I get a reaction out of Donald. If I get a reaction out of Donald, then I felt like I was doing something good because this is the opportunity for me to really expand physically as an actor, show some comedic, uh, physical um, comedy, and do those things. And if if not with Dre, then with who? So let me go really far, and we can always bring it back. Um, And and, and then he would come over and and sort of like, What's he saying? He'll be like, um, that was strange. I like it. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and like, you got this face like, yeah, let's do that. 
Or like he's and it's so funny because he doesn't have a lot of energy for like a lot of things. It's like like even one time we were running behind him, he was like, oh, I'm so mad. And it was like he, we did he wasn't yelling, he wasn't like, Ugh. it was just like, oh, I'm so mad. I said, Oh, that's your mad face? He was like, Yeah. Like it was just, but it was so common, it was so funny. Um, but no, he he and then it's like he'll take what you have and then he'll say, Okay, let's let's try it like this. And um, yeah. I mean, I definitely went farther sometime. And he was like, all right, now let's do blah, blah, blah. Pull it back. Yeah. For example, because I didn't know it was going to be, I didn't know what was going to be funny and what was going to be serious. So the moment when Dre's laying on the couch, when they're removing all of the furniture mm-hmm. and they had the tear or whatever. I, so there's one where the guy is like, excuse me, excuse me. And I just roll my body off the couch. Like just <laughs> like right, on pop, the floor. Just <laughs> pop on the floor. And everybody like, it was like a big laugh. And then we just did it regularly. And they end up using the one where she just gets up. But I understood in the tone at the editing why they chose that one. Yeah. But it was nice to be able to give options. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, yeah, it's it's a heavy moment. She's experiencing this transition of yeah. like, you got to get out. It's not funny. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think I laughed when you shot the quote unquote black girl. Oh, yes. What's the word? Uh, uh, I was going to say Halsey. Uh, uh, Haley. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, yeah, right. Because she said, I'm like Halsey. I'm, I, I'm looking. She's like, yeah, I'm black. And we're like. You're black, uh-huh, and I'm looking uh-huh. at it like you're black, honey. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> you're funny. mimicking me, my feelings there. But like, yeah, like you have this intense moment of murder, and then you're dealing with the murder you committed, and you're having this conversation, and then suddenly, like, and then she eats a sandwich, and I'm like, yeah. I, I'm laughing, <laughs> I'm scared, I'm yeah. like, this person is crazy. Uh-huh. I love her. Like that moment was crazy. Yeah, that was a lot of fun too. I remember. uh like just uh, when we had to like drag the like body out and then, you know, her character comes and you're like, what the heck is going to happen? It's like a standoff. And then she just kicks him. And that's exciting for Dre. And then I do this thing where it's like somebody could describe it as like I'm jumping, like almost like you're jumping in for double dutch. Because like Dre is like so excited that she has somebody that wants to get in. So she's like, OK, are we kicking or are we not kicking? Are we kicking? Are we OK, we're doing this. So that was a lot of fun for me to just kind of like look at her and be like, you know, just being present, which is why I think I didn't want to journal. Because I, that was just things that happened in the moment. Even at the, you know, in that scene where she says she's black, like, do you, if you watch Dre eat, you know, she's she eats a piece of, she so she loves junk, junk food and she hates healthy food. So she eats a piece of strawberry and then she takes it out and she pushes the whole plate of fruit away. Now, for me, I like strawberries. That, that particular piece of strawberry was very bitter. So I didn't like it in the moment. So if I didn't like it in the moment as Dom, then Dre really didn't like it. And so, like, Push the whole thing away. And so there's little moments that get to live because I wasn't mapping uh, things out. Or she, like, goggles the juice at the end. Like, there's just random things that I just did. Um, so, yeah. so, so you can create great moments by being in the moment and not planning what you're going to do. Yeah, I think so. And knowing your character. Like, like, like I said, what they gave was she's emotionally stunted. And she really enjoys her junk food. Or the moment in the mall in the first episode where she's like, can I come? And they're like, oh, bring all your g- cute girlfriends. And she's like, can I come? And, you know, she's eating this food because she's probably really, really hungry. She's probably only had chips all day. So it's not, oh, Dom's going to eat this food weird or Dre eats the food savagely. It's like, it's just being present in the moment. So all this talk yeah. about strawberries is bringing me back because we have this great shot in the first episode 
where Rory Culkin yes. oh, is yeah. presenting you presenting you a bowl of strawberries yes. <laughs> and Donald Glover directing this episode is giving us also a very clear shot of all of Rory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm well, like, yeah, why yeah. did you do that to me? <laughs> yes. That was, uh, I, that was, well, I don't know. I'm not going to tell, uh, I'm not going to tell secrets. I don't know. What, what do you mean? Well, I mean, it could, was it Rory? Was it a, was it a double? Was it not a double? Was it Rory? Who knows? Well, that, that that's a great point. Yeah. And and was it specifically Rory? I, I don't know. Yeah, and but it doesn't, that, matter. it doesn't matter in terms of I got of on my screen was all man. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, why did you do that? Maybe it's to show how crazy and wild the show was gonna be. Because then in episode two, you go you go to strip club and they go with those baseball kids and guys and everything like that. So maybe it's just letting you know a little bit of like the absurdity or whatever that will happen. It does. It does set a boundary yeah. of like we are willing to go this far. So are you that- willing to come? Yeah, are you willing to come on a journey? Yeah. So wait, it's not a true story, or is it? No. <laughs> Uh, it, it's based, like they said in the in the show, it's based off of true events. Like I know that there was an article about these four uh, strippers who uh, essentially killed a good Samaritan who helped them with a tire. So Donald Janine took internet r- rumors and uh, real articles, and they did that each episode. So that's why I can say is based off of true events because they they stem from something that was either true or a, like a hoax that went around the internet. Yeah. Because at first I was like, oh, that's clever. He's playing with the line. And then like the fourth time I was like, wait, what? He's playing with me. And then the penultimate episode with the phone number, I'm like Googling like, is this a real person I never heard of? I love that. Yeah. I was like, if that becomes a a trending thing, like where people are like, is Andrea Green real? That would be kind of cool. I love like when I saw that episode and I saw that. They, they cut to the Atlanta premiere and he's like, yeah, I'm working on the show with Dom, Damson and Chloe. And I was like, oh, shoot, that's pretty funny. But the was that a real clip? Uh, Yes. OK. That see, happened see, at I, the Atlanta premiere. See, I'm, see, the interviewer, we only see a little bit of her. Yeah, but that's I, uh, I, Angelique from, was it, Variety. Okay. Yeah. See, I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't catch that. I thought it was the sister who was acting as the cop. So I'm like, here's a little oh. wink of like, no, that's not real. Oh no, shot. that was a re- that's a real. Clip. Interesting. Interesting. That real interesting. <laughs> that was the first like word about the show. Right. When Donald said it on, on the carpet. How did this all this journey start for you? Acting. Uh, well, I want to talk about that, but this of this specific show. Yeah. Um. Got a call from my team saying that Donald Glover wanted me in the show. And I was like, oh, shoot, he knows who I am. That's pretty cool. Based off of your performance in Judas and the Black Messiah. Could have been Judas. Could have been, I don't know, Project Power. Could have been anything. He didn't tell me what project it was. Okay. Um, And then I was like, oh, that's so cool. They say, yeah, we don't have a script. We don't know what the show is about. But they want you to watch this movie called The Piano Teacher. Okay. And I watched it. And at first I was like, oh, this is really cool because it's really about the actress's eyes. She's not really saying a lot of words. You just get to see her have opinions about so many things. Um, And I was like, as an actor, you kind of revel for those opportunities to just like tell stories with your eyes, at least for me. Um, And so I was like, oh, cool. And then it quickly took a very dark, masochistic kind of turn in that movie. And it really made me question the type of artist and actor that I wanted to be. And if I was brave, because I didn't think I was brave enough to do something like she did in that movie. 
So then I was like, oh, I don't know, but let me take the meeting and see what they have to say about it. What was the braveness that you, or what was the thing that you felt I need braveness to reach? Uh, in terms of her performance or in terms of a swarm? Well, for you, you're like, I don't know if I'm brave enough to do, like, to do what? Oh, uh, well, she did a lot of things. Like, she was cutting her genitalia on screen in that movie. Uh, it was like she had this sexual urge that, she, like, was abusive, that she wanted to be abused. Like, it was it was, it was was raw. It was a lot. And so I was like, mm, I don't really know if I want to do that particular. And I don't know why they have me watching this movie. <laughs> and then got into the, the call with them, and they were like, it's not that. It's just we want this to be a character study of this woman. It's really about this. And I was like, okay, that sounds really cool. Um, and then I read the script, and I was like, okay, I want to do that. But then when they gave it to me, I was like, do I want to do this? So you, you didn't audition. This was always for you. Yeah. For, for Originally, they thought of me for Marissa right. because Donald said that, you know, I played characters that were very familiar and warm and a little popular. And so they, they need a really warm and sensitive Marissa to carry Dre throughout the series. And so he said, well, if but if you're Dre, what does the world look like if you're Dre and not Marissa? And so he had to re—I kind of reimagine what the world would be like. And then he thought of Chloe, and Chloe is amazing. So at this point, when you just have a script, you haven't started, mm-hmm. you're feeling— Oh my God! This is a huge mountain that I have to climb. Uh-huh. Pressure, right? Which you've talked about. Not, uh, not pressure. It was uh, not pressure in terms of like if I can act it or anything like that. More so, just being like, how is it like when the trailer came out? There was so many thoughts and ideas before people even saw it. People were like, oh, I hate that. I'm not gonna watch it. Like right. it was just a lot of stuff. And my my at like my mentions was like it was like a lot of kind of negativity. That I wasn't used to getting because I often play characters that are like, you know, like or easier to like and easier to identify with. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's okay. And there was a lot of strong opinions about something they hadn't seen yet. Right. And so but that was originally what I made space for when I first read the script. Perception. But I had to, like I said, freedom comes at a high cost. Like you don't get to be free and stay the same. You know, you, you have to face the challenges. And so I had to look at the script and say, well, people might think this or they might feel like this. But ultimately, why am I doing it? Mm. You know, I'm doing it because we never had these opportunities, really, as black actresses. Yeah. At what moment are you like, holy shit, this is a gigantic job and this could this could change the trajectory of your career. Now you've starred in yeah. a major Donald yeah. Glover show, yeah. like your name just leapt up like a yeah. hundred rungs. Yeah, it happened after the Damson scene, the kill scene. When I was in the bathroom, I was washing the fake blood off of my hands and I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, dumb. Like, you know, Transformers is going to change your life because it's a huge franchise, but this is going to change your career, you know, because it is like, that you know, I, I have a one woman show that I wrote called Subverted. Never did I imagine that, like in the series, that I would get to play so many different versions of one character in one show. You know, we often hope that over the course of our career and our filmog and filmography, <laughs> that <laughs> that we uh, that we have the opportunity when we put all our character all our characters together, we can say, oh, I've done this, this, and this. But like in one sitting, in one project, is such. 
is there's because there's tremendous range. Thank you to this character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to you, absolutely. But like, there's a diff- each episode is a slightly different character mm-hmm. yeah. challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even when you come to the end and you're playing, can we say a little more masculine? Yeah, sure. Um, right. I mean, like, yeah, you're totally slightly yeah. different. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of black horror happening right, right now. now. And I wonder why you think black horror is being made, why it's resonating. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a couple of ideas, but what yeah. do you think? To be honest, like, I didn't even know what the genre was was of the show when we were doing it. Like, I was like, I mean, it's blood, it's glory. Is it horror or is it, like, like a psychological? Like, I really didn't know. And we weren't, they weren't really given saying what the genre was. So now, after it is all coming together, we can say, "Oh, it's a dark comedy drama, like whatever you want to say." But initially, initially, I didn't think, "Oh, I'm becoming a horror actor." Like I didn't think like that. Now I see people tweeting like, "Oh, horror, horror," and like, uh, and that's cool because I always wanted to do at least one thing of every genre. Like if I could do one and it's really good and I could be really proud of it, then I'm then then I'm good. So. Uh, but why I think it's happening right now, honestly, I think we're just, we just want to, for me as an actor, we just want to play characters. And we don't want to do the same thing over and over. We want the chance like to challenge ourselves and sink in a character and get lost in a character. And I think as an audience, we want to see it. I mean, I think that the success of Jordan Peele has shown people there's this sure. audience, right? And sure. executives and audiences are like more ready for it. Mm-hmm. I think there's also... A lot of anxiety that arose in people out of the Trump slash COVID quarantine uh-huh. period uh-huh. that creators are accessing and saying, like, let's put this because the last several years in America has not been like fun. It's been extraordinarily <laughs> stressful. Yes. And so as a creator, if you're living in that environment and the audience is living in that environment, it's kind of like, well, OK, I mean, this already seems like a horror movie. So we'll give you that. Sure. Yeah. You're used to that. Um, there's a lot of sharp shifts of emotion in this. Like you're, you know, you're doing one thing and then, and right. And that's, that's, is that fun or is that a challenge or is it both? Um, it's ultimately, you know, in the hindsight, I could say, oh, it's, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. But in a moment, I don't think about that. I don't think, oh, she's going to be funny now or she's going to cry now. It, it really is the freedom of being present and having strong opinions like she has very strong, Dre has very strong opinions about everything, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 so because she has very strong opinions about everything, it's able to take us on a journey because I don't look at, I don't, Dre doesn't sit in this chair and just think it's a chair like I have, you know. What I mean, Dre is like, how how does it actually feel? I, she has an opinion about how this chair feels, mm-hmm. and so if I'm being present, like I have a an opinion about those things. And then it can take us on a journey as opposed to, like I said, mapping things out. I mean, when you walk in the room, when Dre walks in the room and says, you know, who's your favorite artist? <laughs> now I'm tense, <laughs> right? I just watched Scream 6, right? It's constantly <laughs> yeah. like, what's your favorite scary, scary movie? movie? And if somebody gets that question, they're going to die, they're right? Gonna, no yes. matter, Drew ah! Barrymore, whoever, you're about to die, right? So when she says, Who's your favorite artist? You know, you're about to die, right? Because <laughs> nobody says Nigel. They should, if they, if if they, they knew, they it. would say Nigel yeah. and they would survive, probably. Probably. But um, so then I get. But she wouldn't have asked them if they didn't say anything crazy on social media. Right. So then, so then the likely 
uh, uh, the Akali experiences that they are not going to say Nigel. And if they did, she might be like, well, you're lying. Then why did you say this? Right. Because any true fan of Nigel would not say that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She'll catch them in the lie. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrive market dot com slash Torrey on March 16th 2000 two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta Jamil Alamin a Muslim leader and former black power activist was convicted but the evidence was shaky and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial my name is Mosi Secret and when I started investigating this case in my hometown I uncovered a dark truth about America from Tinderfoot TV Campside Media and iHeart Podcasts Radical is available now Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's kind of sad that she gets the moment of getting to the show. Well, let me, before we get to that, Mm -hmm. the struggle to get into the show was breaking my heart. Oh, wow. Because she's broke. Yeah. She spent all this time and effort. She killed all these people. This meant so much to her oh, to yeah. get here. She don't got an ID. She don't got a cell phone. You have no cell phone. Yeah. I have no, I, I can't, I, you can't get in. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. I mean, as she, and I'm, I, I'm not even dealing with, yeah, that's sad. Is it not? Oh, well, sure. I mean, I'm happy that you feel it was sad. Because, I mean, as, as like, I want, like, you know, as an actor, you want people to feel fake character. And if people were like, oh, I didn't care anything about Dre. I mean, some people feel like that is what it is. But, like, if you can say, I felt, even knowing that she did all of these things, you felt bad that she couldn't get into the concert, that's great. I mean, it meant so much to her. And yeah. I had been riding with her. And I yeah. saw, like, oh, my God, you spent your last dime that you really didn't even and have. She, and she loved her. She loved her girlfriend. Oh, my God. She loved her. I'm, I'm. You know, this seems like a stupid question, but I'm like, is she a bad person? You also ask me that. I feel like she's a traumatized person who is responding out of that. She's not an inherently bad person. But is anybody inherently bad? Inherently? If if I that's a great question. If somebody was behaving in a more selfish way. Uh-huh. Then I would like, like, like Tony Soprano kills because it helps him. Uh-huh. Dre is just trying to get to the thing that she loves. So, because it helps her, right? Does it help her get to? Does the thing it that help she her loves? to get to the? I mean, like it's a, it's it's her, it's or at her. least it's in the way, right? Mm-hmm. Like she, I mean, I mean, no, it's along the way because she I means she finds the Reggie guy. 
And she goes after the people, you know, the first guy in episode three. Yeah. Uh, the first at the pretty house. Yeah. Like, she found him on Twitter because he said something. Like, yeah. so that's kind of inherently bad, yeah. I think. <laughs> you know, but I don't know, because like I said, we're, well, I didn't say this, but we're living in a world of duality. And there's yeah. good and evil, there's light and dark. And uh, I think we all have the capacity within us to be any of those things. And it's a choice. So, is she evil? Evil? I think that the en- I think that the energy that's taken over her right now is mm. it's the darker energy, of course. Mm. That she's consumed. She's with consumed that. by the darker energy. I don't call her evil. It's it's evil. The things that she does is evil. Of but to but I think we got into that place with her because we were always trying to label her anyway. Right, like she was forgotten. She was said she was this. She was called these names and that because she was odd, because she didn't fit in with everybody. Instead of people just asking her questions, so then for for me to sit here and like say she was evil would be also a disservice. We'll do the same thing that was done to her whole life, but she even got her there. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. I mean, yeah. I mean, the 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 break with the sister. I was I was trying to map out like so. Your sister gets killed. You blame yourself. And then you go on this rampage. Mm-hmm. I would understand that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but then I'm like, but you don't have to kill all the people. <laughs> Some of the killings are very like, I'm just mad at you because you said something about my girl. <laughs> well, poor, poor Haley. She was right now. She wants to be the black dumb on the wheeze. And then she got you taken out. I got receipts. Yes, you did say it. <laughs> I saw you. I got receipts. <laughs> and she's meticulous with the way that she spends time cleaning up. Oh, yeah. She she gets better as she does it. That's she what does. They say. Yeah, she gets more confident, too, as she does it. She does. Mm-hmm. There's definitely ways that this is an extension of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I think visually it looks similar, right? Obviously, there's ways it's completely different, mm-hmm. but there's sometimes a sensibility. Yeah. And even in uh, the sixth episode, when we go into the the sister who's who's detectiving the mm-hmm, whole thing, mm-hmm. that to me, I was like, oh, that's so the Glover sensibility. Yeah, I felt like, or even the birds, the the pigeons in episode three, in the I mean, episode three, episode five in the mall. Mm-hmm. Like after that whole monologue where she makes up this story that she met Nyjah, mm-hmm. and she's talking to like the mm-hmm. old, the other girl, and then at the end of that scene, there's like pigeons sitting on the garbage. And like we just cut out like random pigeons just sitting there. <laughs> and he's great at, at giving you like these two people are just talking. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really do anything but establish where we are and what's going on. It doesn't move the plot, mm. but I'm still like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Mm. I mean, it moves it moves the plot in that or maybe not the plot, but in her the fact that she is deranged. She's mm. getting more and more like now she's telling a story that she believes so much that she's crying at the table. To this girl. God, when, um, who's your last girlfriend? Rashida. My God, when she says, I don't like her, I'm like, no, girl, no, don't, <laughs> don't say that. I was no, yelling no. At, but no, I watched, so I did a, like a little viewing thing on that Friday with my friends in my apartment. And uh, I watched them react. And so at the la- the last episode, when she first meets the girl and they're in the room and they play that song and she goes, uh, I hate Nigel. And Dre turned, they're like, no, no, no. And actually, Dre spared her. She didn't kill her the first time she said it. But she annihilated her in that last monologue. How'd you feel about that monologue? Like, how'd you feel about the words that she was saying to Dre now? I mean, it was very painful. 
And yet it was like, it, it was a classic couple's argument, which ultimately boils down to you're not listening to me. Yeah. I've been telling you since day one, I don't fuck with Nyjah. Mm-hmm. I like you, but I don't like Nyjah. Mm-hmm. Right? It seems like I prefer her sister. It's yeah. like, <laughs> oh, like even but then worse. Al- Yeah, but then also I think like, it, I think it, I think also Jay just felt a little bit betrayed. Not, I think it was a little bit beyond Nyjah at that point. I think mm-hmm. she trust. I think she trusted her. It was like this whole time it's their anniversary, so it should be a year that and now she has all the stuff to say, that stupid bewildered look on your face and like that save me look. Like, so are you have you been feeling like this the whole time? Have you been literally holding on? Like you sound like everybody from my childhood that made fun of me. Mm. But except you fooled me because you said you love me and you were holding on to it. Mm. Because you all of a sudden you had all of these things to say. You know, like she went in. Are you dumb? And we and Kirstie laugh about that. Like, are you dumb? It was so good. We got to get so this point. Dre doesn't really have, she didn't really, she, her childhood must have been screwed up, right? Because mm-hmm. she talks about, I have no parents. Mm-hmm. And she seems to have no parents. She seems to have nobody in the world beside her sister. And when she goes to her, was it foster parents? Mm-hmm. That relationship was clearly, right? That is already in trouble, right? Clearly crazy stuff happened in that relationship. Yeah. As soon as she walks in, they're like, oh shit. Uh-uh. Like, what the fuck? And, it, so it's like her whole childhood was a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happened with her foster parents that led to this rupture to where as soon as she walks in the house, they're like, red well, alert. Well, I mean, she did have a gun when they seen her. She yeah, but, but even if she didn't have a gun, <laughs> she had the gun to protect herself because she knew as soon as I walk in, they're going to be like, what the fuck are you doing here? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, she needed to get that phone turned back on. Um. Well, it's so interesting, which is why I talk about repressed memories, because when Dre is in episode four and she's doing the EU scene and she's saying, I spilled the milk and and it was red. And then, you know, I was like, is that a true story? And then she goes and we see the six number six episode. And you had that girl talking about the sleepover and Dre is talking about spilling the milk. So was it that story that she was lying about, confusing about? Or did the EU really get to her? And I think maybe it did get to her. And I think maybe there was the grandmother scene. I mean, the grandmother experience before she got with the foster foster family. So it was always it was always acting for you. Oh yes, it was always acting. But I also wanted to do music when I was younger. But you said your family, without fully meaning to, encouraged you and 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 embraced you for the acting things yeah. you did and not so much for the musical things you did. The acting and the spoken, the poetry. I always wrote poetry when I was a kid, like 12, and it would just be like, oh, damn, da-da-da-da. It would just, they would light up about it, and then when I was singing, I'd be like, oh. You know, you know, once people go up an octave, you'd be like, uh, like, I'm a kid, but I'm re- like really observant. Like, oh, are you just lying to me and not trying to hurt my feelings? I think that uh, I didn't grow up with the money to like con- like do voice lessons and piano lessons. Uh, it's also about learning, knowing yourself. I'm not a self like a, you can go on YouTube and learn piano now. I can't do that. I have to have my piano coach. I'm mm-hmm. learning guitar right now. But I, I want somebody to sit with me and do it. I don't want to learn on on YouTube. So I'm very hands on type of learner. Um, and also, just I think at that point there were voices that were like. We didn't really know indie artists, you know, like indie artists with really unique tones 
And uh, I really have like a more of like a Nora Jonesy kind of quality. And that wasn't something that I think my family was used to either. If you weren't like doing high notes and doing all that stuff, then you wasn't singing. You know what mm. I mean? Type thing. Uh, and they, and again, they never really said da 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 da. It was just my perception. I must have had a strong feeling about my own self when I was younger about my ability. And so, if it wasn't matched with that, then I think I kind of. Um, I know what you're talking about because I remember being sixteen, seventeen, and I don't think I was. I don't know if I was overtly saying I want to be a writer, but I knew. Just from things my mom was saying, especially Toni Morrison was getting the was really blowing up into like international super fame at that mm-hmm. point. And the way she would talk about her, it was like, oh, if I I knew if I said, mom, I want to be a writer, she'd be like, great. If I said other things, she might be like, you know, she might be like, OK, like the tone mm-hmm. you yeah, talk about. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I knew this would be right. And I don't know if there's anything specific she said, but like like you're saying, like. Just a just a, a almost subconscious or a tonal message yeah. from your family of like this is so yeah. this is good for you or this is good for us mm-hmm. really because that's what they're really saying mm-hmm. we believe in this yeah we don't believe in that for yeah. you yeah and I don't know if it wasn't like a not believing in it but my my mom used to be like Dom you're so dramatic I think you'd be an actor I think you could really do it and that was like oh my mom said I can do it so I know I could do it you know and I feel like even if even if like that's why when I have when I have kids. I, do, I believe that they can do anything that they want to do. And I will and I will say it because because it, it does matter. It does matter. And so uh, um, I had to kind of get out of my own way and, and, and try. And I I have a cover of Song Cry by Jay-Z where I play piano and I I use the hook of Song Cry. But I, the verses are my lyrics. And uh, I said working on music all the time. I'm going to do an EP. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Singing and playing and yes. writing. Yes, absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm gonna do it, and, and like, and and I'm gonna do it for myself. I want to do something like how Lauren Hill did the MTV Unplugged. Mm-hmm. That's my that's one of my favorite albums, and I listen to it still to this day. Really? Yeah, that album is incredible. It's tricky mm-hmm. because you hear she's falling apart, right? Um, and she's in, the, in the words yeah. or in her singing. Well, it's mostly in the in the talking, uh-huh, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Like the music is like, well, she's great, uh-huh. and then she says things, and you're like. Hmm. Do you feel like she's falling apart? Well, I know she was struggling at uh-huh. that point in her life. Uh-huh. I mean, like, I did a whole article talking to, oh, like, did. everybody around her about, like, this is what the spiritual and emotional and familial, I mean, mm-hmm. just as one thing, she was supporting the family. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, I mean, like, that's very, very difficult that, yeah. like, everybody around well, you is taking care it, of you. I think she, it, how I interpret it when I first heard it, which was like in 2016 or something, 17 or something like that, was that she was trying to free herself from the fact that like, you know, she said when she would go on tour, she wouldn't talk because she wanted to keep this voice up. But what kind of life is that to live? And so now I'm going to do this song and I'm going to forget the words and I'm going to mess up my guitar and I'm still going to give you experience because the experience, the gift is what I'm doing. The gift is the art. The gift is expression. And we could be so hard on ourselves as artists, as musicians or whatever, to be like, it has to be perfect. But the feeling that she gave me, even when she messed up, is perfect. Mm-hmm. It inspired me. It changed. It changed. Like I literally printed all of the lyrics and put them up on my wall. And I said, I feel like she's talking to me. I Get Out was one of my favorite songs. I, they have so many, so many, so much things to say. It's also something that I listen to a lot. 
Wait, what is some of the lyrics in I Get Out or just Lauren in general yeah. that you're like, this? Yeah. Uh, Father, free me from this bondage. Knowing my condition is the reason I must change. Uh, and I think even that, like, that is also why I wanted to do a character like Dre. Mm. Because you can, like, people are used to seeing you one way. And I'm just speaking for myself. It seems as though they liked me that way. Mm. Right. And so do you want to risk the like risk the chance of like disappointing people? I don't want to disappoint people. I want people to be proud. But like there also has to be a healthy line between wanting people to be proud and actually stretching yourself because you have one life to live. Mm-hmm. And you got to you got to stretch yourself beyond what you know to see what you where you can go. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a blessing. I'm so thankful that people are actually really feeling it because I, I went in it with that intention. You know, I want people to feel it. And I'm glad that they're riding with it. Like, oh, we don't have to just see Dom do this. We want to see Dom do everything. We want to see Dom go as far as she wants to go. Yeah. And that's really, really nice. You're, I mean, you're very philosophical and deep and Uh thoughtful about sort of like, you know, your inner self and the cosmos and all these sort Uh of things. And you keep talking about all this sort of stuff. It's important to me. It it actually is changing my whole life. I started learning, like, honestly, like in 2020, I, during the pandemic, I learned how to read my birth chart okay. um, because I was like, because my spirit literally said, you need to learn how to read your chart. Like I, w- I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, okay. And so I learned, I learned how to read it. And the two things that came up that really changed my idea of astrology was that there was something called the Chiron and the Chiron is the soul's wound. Everybody has one and whatever house and sign it falls in is, is usually where that wound is in your life. And you could look it up and find it or something called a North node, which is your soul's purpose. And there's uh, the 10th house, which is fame and accolades and all that stuff. And like my North node was in the 10th house. I was like, Oh shoot. So what does that mean? It just meant that in my lifetime, I was supposed to come, I was supposed to do these things. You're supposed to be famous and be an actor. Yeah, be be an actor, be in the public eye, whatever, whatever, however you want to call it. It, I knew that since I was a kid. Like, no, I have to do this. Like, God wouldn't make me this way if I wasn't supposed to do this. So I have to do this. And I didn't know why I had that inkling inside, but I just went tunnel vision towards it. And so I read this chart in 2020. I'm like, oh shoot, that's there. That's interesting. So you, you have felt like you were going to be a star for a very long time when I was a kid. Yeah. When you were a child, how yeah, young? Like 12. And you thought, I'm going to be a star. Mm-hmm. Who was it that you saw that you were like, I'm going to be like her? I wanted to be like Aaliyah so bad. I just did. I was like, I just thought she was so cool. I love that. One, especially because, you know, we're young, but uh, other girls started developing their body, like bigger bodies and stuff. And I didn't have breasts and like things like that. And I was like, okay. Uh, so I'm not looking like my, like, Every like everybody else, and now you got guys that are, we're getting older, and now they like bodies, and they're talking about which girl is cute and which girl is whatever. And I was such a tomboy. I played basketball, played football, wanted to be like Lita in WWF with the Hardy Boys. Like I, you know, I love to climb the fences and things like that. And I loved crop tops and I loved baggy pants. You know, and if I did wear a skirt because my cousins, like my girl cousins convinced me, I would always end up throwing a football while I had a skirt on. So, like, you know, so when I saw Aaliyah, it was like, wow, she's so beautiful. She still has femininity to her. Sure. And she has this, like, edge to her. And I'm from Brooklyn. So, like, there is, like, a you know, there's an edge. I don't want to erase the parts of me. I just want to, I know, I want to know that they all can exist at the same time. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. So we talked about Aaliyah. We talked about Lauren. Mm-hmm. Who is your favorite artist? 
That's so funny. Um, it's 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 so funny because I talk about playing the ultimate stand, and I really wasn't. I didn't even see my first concert until 2018. Okay, that's who, how much that? it was. Jay Z, because mm-hmm. I did the uh, music video for, for Smile, played his mom and Smile, and then a friend was like, "Do you want to come?" And I was like, "Sure." And of that course. was the first concert I ever went to. Um, and so I don't know. I was like, maybe when I I had the capacity to watch TV and say, "Hey, I want to do what Lucille Ball is doing. I want to do that on TV." But I didn't have the capacity to think, "Oh, my favorite artist." They might be in my city. I could possibly meet them. Like, that didn't cross my mind ever. Um, but I had a Leo on my wall. I had Michael Jackson, Jackson 5. I had uh, Eminem. Mm-hmm. I used to love Stan, ironically, the mm-hmm. third verse. I can rap it all. Uh, and then, yeah, so I just had artists that I really liked, but nobody that I was like, oh, man, let me see when they're in my town. So, wait, meeting, you didn't name one. You didn't name, did you, you didn't name uh, one. No one what? Artist? artist. Oh. Uh, you don't really have a singular favorite even mm, now? Yeah, I don't have a singular favorite. I, I think mm. it's like an amalgamation of all of them. Like, I think that they're so incredible. I love, I love Tupac, but I love listening to Tupac speak. Yeah, Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, one of yeah. my favorite things to do. More than rapping. Yeah, yeah, I love listening to Malcolm X speak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I used to, like, even before I did Judas, which was so funny, it was like one month where I would listen to Malcolm X speak every morning. Beautiful. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if there's an artist. I think it's a mixture. And then I read this book called um, Steal Like an Artist. Yep. And they said yep. that. Yeah. And they said he said you can make your own family tree, essentially. Or you can be a, a student of any artist dead or alive because they usually leave what they what they know in their work. And if you study their work like that and then you study who they studied, then ultimately you'll have a schooling of these artists that you love. Playing Jay-Z's mom and smile that yes. moment when he is ushering her out of the closet, uh-huh, right, uh-huh. is so powerful, right? It's such it was a huge moment for her and him personally, and for hip hop, mm-hmm. right, and for Black culture mm-hmm. of like you know the you know the big stars. Hey, you know my mom is gay, and yeah. it's all good, and thank God she found love and courage to be her true self, yeah. and like to play her in that moment. I mean, like it's an historic moment for so many people involved yeah. in that moment. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was just, it was cool in many different ways. It was cool because I was uh, in Atlanta shooting The Hate You Give, mm-hmm. and I wasn't in a lot of scenes. And so I was there in Atlanta just kind of waiting around. And then my one of my castmates from the Do said her friend was doing this music video for Jay-Z. Can she give the director my number? And I was like, of course. So I, I speak to the director. Um, he's like, hey, like, I don't know how to ask this question, but, like, can you cry? I was like, honestly, the question is, can I not cry? Like, that, that's how much I cry. Like, can you, can I not cry? Um, and so he was like, you know, I want to give you the part. So great. Had to go back to shoot on the Hit You Give. And the, the days that they wanted to film the music video was the same days that we had to do the riot scenes for the Hit You Give. Mm. So there was no way that Fox, turned, like, was going to move it so that I could do this video. Like, it, I wasn't even the star of the movie. So... Uh, went back, they said, yeah, well, you know, Rock Nation doesn't want to move the dates, so, you know, I'm going to have to audition other girls for the part. And I said, okay. And I was, obviously it was crushed, but I just prayed about it. I said, God, I know that schedules are man-made, and whatever it's meant to be will be. But I know you can't dangle a Jay-Z video in front of me and take it away like that. Like, you know, and then I just left it alone. About two days later, he texted me, said they auditioned other girls, they can't find a girl that they want, so Rock Nation's going to move it. Wow. Yeah. And then the DP, like when I did that scene where the son catches her crying, they were like, uh, we're so glad we waited for you. Like, yeah, and that meant a lot to me. So I had essentially left Atlanta playing a 16 year old 
to like in in my like modern day to come to like this with seventies and in Brooklyn and play and play Jay Z's mom. So you keep talking really about cool. these great opportunities that seem to just sort of be coming to you, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of actors are like, you know, I mean, obviously you've done a ton of work on the craft and these sort of things, but like, you know, you see, you keep saying like, someone called, they really wanted you. Someone, called, right? And a lot of acting is like, it's a lot of disappointment. A lot of rejection. A lot of rejection. 100%. A lot I've of experienced a lot of rejection. It's not, I mean, I, I started off acting getting rejected because right. I auditioned for this theater company called Tada when I was from the age of eight to 10. Um, trying to get in and I never got in. I auditioned three times. The last time I got a call back, but I never got in. And then I auditioned for LaGuardia and I didn't get in. And so I ended up going to high school in Brownsville. And uh, when my mom, when I was 15, my mom told me that she was pregnant with my little sister. And I was like, oh, my mom's really not going to be able to get me into acting. So I started Googling free acting programs and kid, for kids in New York City. Found this uh, company that was doing Shakespeare for teenagers. I did the only Shakespeare I knew, which is Romeo and Juliet, which happens to be a dream role of mine. I didn't get in. They called me and said, yeah, sorry, we're not going to like have you in the program, but we're doing this free two-week art seminar. If you want to do it, we would love to have you. And I was like, yes, I would love to. And then I did that. And then after the end show, this woman said, my son is in this program. It's called MCC. In order to act, you have to write your own stuff, but they have auditions in a month, and I just think you should really do it. And I did that. And MCC is one of like the big off-Broadway theater companies in New York. And so I didn't even know that I was getting, um, having like, being a, like a, a kid, not knowing what it meant to know Bernie Telsey or Will Kent. Like, I, I didn't know who that, you know, I didn't know. So it was nice to, uh, as I got older to be like, in, in at Pace University in theater classes and the people were like, uh, so who do you want to reach out for to like send showcase? And people are like, oh, I, you know, I really want Bernie Telsey to like, and I'm like, Bernie? I'm like, oh, I know Bernie. Like, I know. Like, he emailed me about Swarm, and he was very excited about it. So, like, that was a, a relationship that I built when I was 15 years old without even knowing. Um, and so I just kind of, it was a lot of rejection in the beginning. And still, and still was. There were many roles that I wanted that I didn't get. Um, but after I watched things, no matter how great they are, too, I always be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I didn't have to do it. The self-starter-ness that you talk about is really inspiring and the way you found a way when there was no way and it's a very hard field to break into and yeah. to make it to the level you're very 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 difficult and you <laughs> you definitely found your own like opened the door yourself in a lot of ways which is really extraordinary um talk to me about your craft a little bit and some of the acting principles that have really guided you through the the years and the all the roles that you've had? Um, so originally I started with, you know, journaling and things like that. And as you start becoming like the number one on something or number two, you don't actually have enough time to do that. Like scenes change the day of or the night before and you would have done all this writing work. And so it first happened in uh, Project Power. And I was nervous about that because I didn't do the work that I had normally done. And then Jamie, uh, I was like, I asked Jamie if he was, uh, if he ever still got like nervous, nervous or just felt like everything was easy now for acting with him. And he said to me, like, do you watch basketball? And I was like, um, yeah, sometimes he was like, when Steph Curry runs down a court and he shoots a three, he doesn't question himself as to why it went in. It's because he's been doing it for so long. And it's the same with you. You've been doing it for so long, so you don't have to, like, worry about it. Because, like, am I coasting because I didn't sit down and go like this through my whole script? And it was like, no, I had been doing it already 
Like, I was 30 when I did Project Power. Or, no, I'm not. Maybe I was 28, 29. But, like, you know, so that means I started acting when I was 15. So it was about 15 years already that I had been very uh, connected to the craft and, like, studying it. So I had to free myself after that. And then I decided to free myself with Last Days of Ptolemy Gray and essentially with this role. Um, So now it's, like, if I can't do all that writing work and that journaling— then the most important thing for me is how is my character different from the beginning of the scene to the end of the scene? How is my character different from the beginning of the episode to the end of the episode? Essentially, how is my character different from the beginning of the series to the end of the series or season? Or how is my character different from the beginning of the movie to the end? And like that, if I can't do any other work, that's the work. Like she starts here and we know she gets here. And anything in between is like fair game. Mm, mm, I love that. Ask everyone who comes on the show, what does being black mean to you and where does it show up in your work? What does being black mean t- to me? Uh, means I'm blessed, baby. No, look, for real, though, Hell it does. Yeah. I, I, feel, yeah. I, feel very, I feel very blessed to be who I am and, and to, uh, granted, things have been, haven't been easy because of where I come from and things like that. However, it feels really, really great in this moment right now because I know what I've overcome in my life to get here. Or the fact that, no, I didn't have somebody that knew. My family still doesn't know the industry like that. So when I'm figuring things out, almost I'm figuring it out by myself or I get amazing artists along the way that love and care about me like Monique Coleman. Like when I was a teenager and I met her, or like early, like 19, 20, whatever— I was in theater companies and I would have strong opinions about something. I'm ready to write this email. Doop, 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 doop. This was not my voice. This is da, da, da. And I would like let her read it. And she'd be like, I understand where you come from, but maybe we can say it like this. Mm. And I said, okay. And so we're going to take this out because blah, 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 blah. And she walked me through that. And so then it got to a point like a couple of years ago where I was like, hey, can you read this email? And she was like, Dom, I have no notes. Like, it is amazing. Like, you— <laughs> Now you know how to be diplomatic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was like, okay, so I just— ha- And I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sponge with everything. Like, every aspect of this career, I like, I appreciate it enough to want to learn. So even if it's, like, a styling thing, you know, when my stylist, I'm like, oh, well, why isn't that good? Oh, because da-da-da-da. Who's that? Okay, got it. Thanks. Publish anything. Why is that? Who's that? Okay, got it. Thanks. Because I care about it so much, and I want to honor the gift that— God gave me and the opportunity that I have. Yeah. The opportunities that you have, that I have, we stand on the shoulders of the black people who came before us and made that space for us as actors, as civil rights, as people who were free, people who survived, like whatever. So when you think about the actors who you watched and were really influenced by, who are your sort of like, creative or cultural parents as far as actors yeah. who were like, I watched him, I watched her, I watched him, I watched yeah. her. And like, yeah, well, I'm going to start, I'm going to start with, uh, I'm going to go back in my head. Like when I was, when I was like five, my mom used to say, I used to like melt to the floor in excruciating pain and say, I'm melting. <laughs> <laughs> like the Wicked Witch. So shout out to Alphaba and uh, Cynthia Rio for doing Wicked that's coming out. I'm so excited. <laughs> but like, uh, she used to, I used to do things like that. And then, when I was, I remember, I guess, earliest memory is, like, being 10 years old and staying up really late and watching I Love Lucy. Okay. And it's, like, 1 in the morning, and then my mom used to be like, Dom, you're going to suffer in the morning when it's time to go to school, but I couldn't help it. I was like, I want to be like Lucy. And then I would watch Sister, Sister, 
Okay. And I would write, I had a journal where I would say, if I was Tamara, I would do it like this. If I was Tia, I would do it like this. And I would just write in this journal. Uh, and I cut out different people. And I loved, in college, I specific, like, specifically, I loved Meryl Streep. And I would say, like, because she transformed everything she did. And I was like, because even if people say they don't like a movie that she did or they don't like a project, they're not going to be able to say she can't act. No. Like, you can't say Meryl Streep can't act. No. And that's what I was like, so that's what I want to be. Like, maybe you won't make everybody happy. Maybe everybody won't love the projects that you do. But I want them to be able to say that girl can act. No, I believe I believe her. Yeah. No yeah. matter what, whatever her. she does, I believe the I hell believe out of it. her. So, so that's what I wanted. And obviously, you know, grew up watching Denzel and Viola Davis and Angela Bassett. I, you know, the first time I learned about the Jackson Five was the American Dream. Mm. And she's like, I don't want you. No, I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you no more. Like I remember, I used to do that when I was younger. Like Angela Bassett and uh, 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 Daniel Day Lewis is great. <sighs> Joaquin Phoenix is great. Like there's just so many great. When you name real actor actors, mm-hmm. Daniel Day Lewis and yeah. Viola and Joaquin and yeah. like Denzel, obviously Meryl, like real, like yeah. But it's also interesting because I said I want to do everything though. I I want to do like I want to do those critically acclaimed projects and films and Oscar films, and I also want to do Transformers. Like I also want to do everything. Like I like I was saying that I was uh, reading a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces, Joseph mm-hmm. Campbell. Mm-hmm. Campbell and uh, I said, okay, I want to be the heroine with a thousand faces. If you can do the great critical actor actor things, why would you want to do a pop thing that probably doesn't challenge you as much as an artist? To be honest, though, like I feel like acting in movies like Transformers is one of the hardest type of acting to do for me. Well, I mean, nobody's there. There's no robots. You're emoting to nothing. You're you're hearing somebody on a microphone somewhere else saying something to you and have to have all these emotions. You're running. You're doing all these things. It's 17-hour days. You're in the middle of the jungle. Uh, there's poison frogs. You know, there's just a, there's a lot of things going on. There's so many elements uh, that I think it really shows your, your strength as an actor. Um, but why would I want to do that? I think everything that I do is based off of, that girl who said, I want to be a movie, I want to be a movie star. She was 12 years old and she liked Transformers and she liked different things and she wanted to do everything. And so I honor her by saying, all right, let's do everything then. All right. Last two things. Yes. Because you're so wise and philosophical and you've mentioned so many great books. Give me some books that have been really important yeah. in in that philosophical side of Dom. The Dynamic Laws of uh, Prosperity. The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity by Catherine Ponder. It's a great book. Um, And it's one of those things you can flip. It's a a thick book, but you can flip flip through it and kind of find those things. Uh, I I started with The Secret. The Secret came to me in 2014, and it was around the time where I got Show Me a Hero. Well, I had auditioned for Show Me a Hero, and I made a strong, like a really strong choice, and Alexa Fogel was like, um... That was weird, but we're going to keep it. Yeah, 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 we're going to keep it. I'm like, I, I can do it over. No, 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 yeah, we're going to keep it. And she like, took the mic, and I remember just going, I was like, Fuck. and then I didn't hear back for like two months, and I was like, I didn't even get a call back. Like, I feel like, I said, like, I know I made a strong choice, but, like, they could have just gave me a different direction. Like, I know, I, like, and then two months later, they were like, oh, you're a fan favorite, meaning with the producers and stuff, and you have a call back um, with, the, with the producers. And so I was like, okay, great. Um, did that, and then, uh, um, while I was waiting, they said, oh, we're going to let Dom know on Monday. 
Then on Monday, it came. They, oh, we're going to let Dom know end of day Tuesday. Then they said, oh, we're going to let Dom know end of day Wednesday. Then they said, oh, we're going to let Dom know. And they kept going, but I had been reading The Secret. And it was like, it's already, if it's already mine, it's already done. If it was Amazon and I had ordered a package, I don't keep checking. You have faith that it's coming. Mm. So I was like, all right, cool. That's what I'm doing. So there can't be a second season of Swarm, correct? No. Right? Because yeah. she's, she's gone. It's a lim- it's, it was a limited series. Right. It was always, only ever supposed to be one. Right. Mm-hmm. So has this already changed your your career to where the phone calls are different already? Uh, Honestly, I don't know. I haven't really spoken about it. It just happened on, what's today? Today's Monday? Tuesday. <laughs> it's happened on Friday. I think people are, are, are catching up to it. Um, but yeah, I think people are excited and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens next. But, you know, I want to do a rom-com. I want to do like an epic rom-com. Yep. That's what I want. <laughs> Thank you so much to Dominique for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. and Maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jennifer Brown. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back next Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.